time about that. Those of you Green Bay fans, um, you know, the score is, just joking, just totally messing with Jaden back there, actually. Uh, so it's a score-free zone because, unfortunately, there are some of those amongst us. We're praying. We're playing. We're talking about loving your enemies tonight. It's all good. It's all good. Tonight's talk is about loving your neighbor. And uh, so I am really excited to share this talk. I actually waved at my neighbor earlier today just for the very reason that I could give this talk without bad mindset. I'm joking. I actually love my neighbors. So big idea of this talk. It's on your handout or if you're following along with the app, which you can also do the connect card on the app as well. Uh, and we'll include you in the 12th man flag. But if you're following along in either place, big idea, Jesus loves you so you can love your neighbor. I want to read our text for tonight in Luke 10, 25 through 29. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions. Very interesting, right? So he wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Man, I think it could have said he wanted to justify his lack of action, right? Isn't that kind of what he's doing? Okay, so like, but who's my neighbor then? You know, he's, he's asking for clarity. And, and maybe it's, it's a question you would ask when you hear this passage. Maybe it's something you would look at and you'd go, well, interesting. Yeah, who is my neighbor? Like, when we're being challenged by Jesus and he's saying, yeah, go and do that and you'll live. Well, who is, who is my neighbor? What defines neighbor anyway? Uh, I can love Jesus, but who else am I supposed to love? What's the litmus test here? Like, how do I figure this out? And the man wanted to justify his actions, right? So he says, he says, you know, do I need to love any more than you? Do I need to love just those in the church? Do I need to love just the, the priests? Who is this that I'm supposed to love? I've already loved all these people. Do I need to love these really? And so that's where he is at trying to process. And over the next few weeks, and we already began... Two weeks ago, uh, we're looking at this Good Samaritan story. And tonight, again, we're just at overview phase. Um, last week, we, or two weeks ago, we camped on the reality that following Jesus and, and, and loving others is not a list of shoulds. And, and maybe you, you get the free book. Every family gets that Love Does book, and, and, and you're reading through it, and you're going, these are great stories, but man, what... What should I do in the light of God? Well, that Jesus is avoiding the should answer in this text. And you're going to discover that over the course of this series. We're looking at kind of this overview, though. I want, to, I want you to contextually know what's happening here a little bit. Um, just give you the, the tease, if you will, of the Good Samaritan. You have this Jewish guy that, uh, in, in the story that comes after this, 
that is beaten, robbed, laying along a street. And two religious people walk by, see him, and act like they don't. They just keep on going. They have places to be. They have to be the temple. They, they find a reason within their heart to not help. And then there's this Samaritan that comes by and stops, has compassion, takes care of him in the present state that he's in, finds out what's wrong with him, but then goes and exemplifies generosity at a challenging level and pays for his care and lodging and whatever else he may need, like leaves him an open tab. But yet he was the very one culture despised. Like, what are we supposed to do with this information? When Jesus throws this out as an answer to who's my neighbor, that's a big challenge to us. So the question Jesus asks, who is my neighbor? Or he asks Jesus ultimately, and uh, that's what we're going to look at tonight. Who is my neighbor? And there's a few different people that are your neighbor. We're going to look first at, like, the people who are your neighbor, and then we'll look at a few thoughts to, to wrap it up. So who's my neighbor? Person one, someone who is next door, if you're a blank filler in her. There you go. Someone who's next door. That took a lot of smarts, right? It's because we're really smart people when we sit down and plan these talks together. Brent and Jaden and myself sit there, seek deep inside our brains, and that was a tough one to come up with. So thank you guys for your prayers for that miracle that came onto paper. No, seriously, though, it's your next door neighbor, right? And, and here's where you need to kind of understand the context of this. So we'll have, like... Saturday night school. This is Saturday night school education right here, biblical education time. The Samaritans were geographic neighbors to Jewish people. And over the course of a thousand years, there are a bunch of different rulers. And eventually, uh, there was a, a quarrel. There was a, a north and south that were ripped apart. And it became uh, two different kingdoms, one's capital, Jerusalem, and one's capital, Samaria. And so there was, there was this issue amongst the people. The Jews and Samaritans were once uh, a part of the same big, broken, messy family, like all of us have, right? And then uh, they got split apart. And so it became a little difficult because you had next-door neighbors that weren't now getting along. There's more to the story, but I'll tell you in a minute. Your neighbor is literally someone next door to you. And when you start to process it, it's like, okay, there was a no-brainer. But when you start to think more about it, like, where do you start? Like, what neighbor? Like, how do I know? It's like, well, you could look to the left. You could look to the well, that, wait, that's your left. So uh, you can look to the, the, your left, your right, or straight ahead of you. That was funny, though, when I said left, and that really messed up my brain. So uh, but the reality is, is it, the, the neighbor I waved at is, was right across the street from me today, and they, they attend the Bonnie Lake campus. So uh, it was really fun to, to, to do that and say, preaching about you tonight. And, what? 
you better show up. It's going to be bad. <laughs> but, it, you know, who is your neighbor? And, and, and all of us have some fun stories about our neighbors, right? There's, there's all of our neighbors. We've got, like, some really normal ones usually, and then there's some probably not so normal ones, aren't there? Uh, and, and you kind of, you have to process, who is my neighbor? But think of it, I think we think of this as like a, we think of it more in like a concept in America. Yeah, neighbors. You know, we think neighborhood. Not literally like who's next door. But who is next door? Who, students, who do you pass? Like, I know you don't all have lockers anymore. You have backpacks that weigh 500 pounds. But it's like, who are you going past? Who do you sit next to? Who's got the cubicle next to you, those of you with that kind of a work circumstance. And I look at that and I go, we have great neighborhoods, but do we really know who's next door or if you're in an apartment? Which is funny because you'd think you would know the people above and around, and, but you don't, do you? You're like, you might see them on a stairway every once in a while or an elevator. It's so interesting to me, the world we live in. Um, maybe being a good neighbor to that person is just being an example of Jesus in the community, in, in your literal neighborhood. I had a mentor say, it word it this way. She would always say, we need to be Jesus with skin on. Jesus with skin on. That's like our role to our neighbor. What does that look like in our front yard, in our driveway, in our backyard, when we're taking the garbage out? I don't know when, right? When their dog does a right on your lawn, right? Uh, Jesus may have thrown it into the other yard. I'm just saying, maybe, maybe, if I'm Jesus with skin on, he has thrown it into the other yard. That's what Jesus did in my neighborhood. Anyway, moving on. This is not my dog. I don't have a dog, and this better not be human. So, maybe you need to pray for your neighbors. In fact, you should, right? Maybe that's something we could do. And, and I know we're not supposed to say shoulds, and I just did it out loud, and it's recorded. But the reality is we, we can pray for our neighbors. It's an opportunity that we, we can miss. Go for a walk and pray for your neighbors. It's one of those missed, easy forms of love. Pray for the cubicle next to you. Pray for that teacher. Pray for that student. You might think about doing it not out loud. Just a thought, you know, because it is weird if you're the guy walking down the street. Lord, just don't pray for them. I just want you to, you know, and it's like, uh, yeah, um, have you seen the neighbor? All of a sudden in our neighborhood, that would be on Facebook. Weird guy, looks like Thad, may have some problems. Uh, be careful. Lock your doors. We called 911. It's Pierce County, unincorporated. They'll be here in 50 minutes. So that's just kind of our neighborhood. I love going to uh, the house of the De La Vega, James and Brittany. Uh, they, uh, they have in their little dining area with, in their house a chalkboard with a drawing of their cul-de-sac. And when they first moved in there a few years ago, they started writing the names of the neighbors as they met them, and, and they just prayed for them. And now to hear the stories of, like, that's their closest friends are their neighbors, those who they prayed for. It didn't take many years to turn that corner. Genuinely, they just really enjoy their neighborhood. And I th what can we do to, to be that in our neighborhood? How can we walk that out? And uh, that's a challenge. So who's my neighbor? Person two? Someone who's not like you. Shocker, there's a lot of people out there that are not like us. And 
So what do we do with that? They're next to you, but not like you. Think about the person who lives next door. And are they similar? Or do they make you wonder? You know? And I always wonder who's listening to this message. So I have to be really careful telling these stories. But is it okay at 4 o'clock in the afternoon to come out in a muumuu and robe? You know? And, uh, like, how awkward can that be? I'm here to say it's really awkward. And for, for all the neighbors, but I'm just, you know, that's sometimes you just try to figure out, okay, now why? And okay, it's this the world we live in. How do you, how good of a neighborhood do you live in? And have you contributed to that goodness? It's intriguing to consider. The Samaritans and the Jewish nation became really divided. And here's why. When they uh, it's in 722 B.C. The Assyrian nations destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. And uh, when this happened, the northern kingdom started intermarrying, which was a big, huge no-no, right? They started connecting with one another, and religiously it was a no-no. So they were now the unclean, right, compared to the other guys. So the Jewish people would have nothing to do with the Samaritan people. It just broke and severed the communities. And ultimately, Samaritans became the definition of impure. So when we're talking about, and Jesus is saying, man, who should you love? And he's using this prime example of the most impure amongst us being the one who showed generosity and love. It's like a dagger to the heart of this guy who's listening and asking these questions. Who's my neighbor? Who is it that you work with, live next door to, go to school with, that just does not like you, that you can love? That's who Jesus is pointing out in this story. Who's my neighbor, person three? Someone you want to avoid. Do you have those people? I mean, some of us have a personality that we don't avoid anybody when we should, and people are like, they really should avoid them because they're going to get hurt. But, you know, but, or, but if you're at the grocery store and you're like, oh, are you serious? I'm going to the next aisle. I'm going to wait. Bread, we could get bread next week, you know, and it's like you choose a different. There are those realities, right? You're jogging, you're like, oh, they're outside. Go the other way. This will take, they'll talk to me for like 50 minutes, you know, move on. And so there's just that reality that we have. And so uh, this is, if you have people you avoid, it's interesting to consider uh, Jesus is challenging us to love them as well. Because again, the backstory of this. Jesus uh, has this moment where his headquarters of ministry, when he's, he's in the earth here, is in Galilee, right? We hear this, if you've read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, Jesus' stories, then you would see that he's always going back to Galilee or coming from Galilee. And one time, it, it, you know, Galilee is north of Samaria. And so they would go around a lot. Of Samaria, but there's this time recorded in John 4 where he said he must go through Samaria. And, and when he does, he encounters the very people most would avoid, and it shocked his disciples. They're like, why would he be talking to people in Samaria? Just, they just didn't get it. And Jesus meets a woman at a well there, 
and begins to have just a conversation. He's great at connecting with people and, and serving people and sharing life with people. But in this specific instance, it's a Samaritan woman. And he begins a conversation with her. And it's the one that most people would avoid. But yet he makes this connection. He demonstrates for us, don't avoid people. You're called to love. Get through that. And the strength of God will help you through it. But maybe you've been avoiding someone. That's your neighbor. Maybe you need to lean in and say, sorry for avoiding you. <laughs> I don't know. Just a, just a little thought there. Maybe you need to give some grace. Who's my neighbor person for? Someone who doesn't agree with your worldview. That's always fun in an election year to go down that road, isn't it? That's a, no, don't talk about that. that shh, right? Well, it's a huge point, and I, I'm just getting, let me comb my hair over. Uh, it's just interesting to talk about those who just do not see the world the way the rest of anybody sees it. Jesus is sitting down with this woman at the well who is living a total different life than Jesus. And she's asking Jesus, like, religious questions. She could kind of tell, he, you know, something's here. So she starts this religious conversation, which, as a pastor, when people find out I'm a pastor, it's the same thing happens. I get the funniest books for, like, Christmas and stuff. Um, you know, I get, like, Bibles. I do, is that, why? I, I'm like, I do have every translation of Bible. I'm just saying. I love you, Mom and Dad. Anyway, if they're listening to this. And, uh, uh, but I have, I, I, you know, you get like scripture quote books for Christmas. It's like, you know, people just go spiritual on you. They think like you want to read that for fun. And so, uh, it, it, and I'm like, I, you know, I honestly, I'll just kick back and watch Fixer Upper and be happy because Chip and I, we could be brothers. I'm just saying if you watch that show. I've geeked out on it lately. But I'm just, you, you, I, I, I'd sit back and, and get this religious conversation started. Well, Jesus experiences the same thing with the Samaritan woman. And she starts to ask about worship and what's right to do. And, and she wants to kind of debate. She wants to go into this, like, debate mode. And it would have been easy for Jesus to just destroy her, obviously, in, in debate function. But Jesus didn't bite. He just started talking about love. And people worship God in spirit and truth. It's, like, pretty easy you know, he makes things simple and uncomplicated there. Tells her to grab her husband and they should have a conversation. And that's when it was, he was baiting her, right? She's like, well, actually, I'm not married. And Jesus is like, you're right. And like the five dudes you're with right now, you're not married to any of them. She's like, oh, you're a prophet. And it was this moment, right, that Jesus gets away with in the story. Because she goes back to the village and leads everybody out to meet Jesus, the Son of God, she somehow got it. He, yet he got away with just like calling her sin right out on the carpet. How did he do that? Well, I believe he did it because he didn't avoid her. Like he was there intentionally. He knew people were going for water. He was going to encounter Samaritans. And so she was like, sweet. If like I can have a real conversation with this person. And the more grace you have and the more you're present, the more you can make an impact. And I believe it's open life's willingness, and it's you as those loving people. It's our willingness to be present that opens so many of the doors we get to have open in this community. It allows me to sit down as a president 
of a chamber of commerce for Bonnie Lake and Sumner. How weird is that, right? Like, every once in a while, I'm like, just a reminder, do you guys remember I'm a pastor, right? You know, or it allows me sometimes, like, I was shocked about this one. One of my favorite moments is when one of, one of the business owners in our community, many business owners around here, but one of them is just a devout, if you can be this, a devout atheist, right? And, and they were like, you know, I had some people walk into our store the other day, and they were asking for a church, and well, you know, I just don't believe in that thing or God or anything. But I referred him to you. I referred him to Open Life because I was like, you know what? If I were ever going to go to church, I wouldn't. But if I were going to, I would definitely go there because I feel like it's, you're safe. And I was like, why? Why would you feel that way? Because we're present. It's that simple. We're present with our community. Why would... Someone give a microphone to a pastor and have them do a Martin Luther King assembly two years in a row in a middle school. And last year gave me 10 minutes. This year gave me 20. So Lake Ridge Middle School yesterday. And uh, why would they give a pastor 20 minutes to talk to students and tell them all about our church? Because we're present. It's that simple. And Jesus had this same freedom, even though, you know what? A lot of people in the room don't have the same worldview that we do, that I do. But we have the freedom to speak into their lives. People value diversity if you value people with no strings attached. That's what this book, Love Dove, and that, this challenge, Love Does, is all about, is, is that you would experience that, that your eyes would open as you love someone, and you're going, wow, the only reason I can be in this place loving these people at this moment because I just had no strings attached to the love I give out. I need to share this story. That's, that's the world. We're hoping to hear those stories from you. Who's my neighbor? Person five. Someone who feels judged by you. Again, right? Pastor hat. Uh, they, they find out you have the pastor hat on. And talking about literal neighbors, right? Right, left, across the street. Uh, people that have figured out, oh, that's the, yeah, that, that house, he's a, he's a pastor, right? So you can every once in a while, whatever that means, you know, you, you get that. And, and I'll never forget our next door neighbors, and I didn't hear it from them. I heard it from their friend. Oh, yeah, you live next to so-and-so. Yeah, they don't smoke in their backyard. Uh, okay. What does that mean? Well, they found out you're a pastor. That means you can't smoke in your backyard? Like, that's funny. I was laughing so hard. I was like, really? Then I better not swim naked in my backyard. I didn't say that. And I don't. I'm just saying. Visual. You're like pounding visuals out. It's like, no. Paul Blart Mall Cop does what in his backyard? Um, so... My neighborhood, uh, my neighborhood is full of people that I'm sure, you know, hear that, man, they're a Christian, or, you know, they don't celebrate this, or do celebrate that, or, you know, and it's easy to immediately feel, because someone believes one way or another, that you're judging each other. But what if that's just not reality? What if we really are who we say we are. And I think that's what's funny when people get to know you and they're like, wow, you're really, you sure you're a pastor? <laughs> you just like laugh. You're like, 
positive. Uh, I don't know if that's a compliment or if I should worry about me, you know. It's like, oh, you can't tell? What did I do? What, what made you question? But just the reality is Jesus accepted people in the same way. He gave freedom to people in the same way. He rubbed shoulders with people and was accused of being a glutton and a sinner and a drunkard because he was in the place that you would never expect the Son of God to show up. And people question, is he really the Son of God? And this very guy is trying to catch Jesus as the Son of God because he was loving people in all places. So where does this lead us down the road of? Because Jesus finally is loving these people that are really the enemy of religious people in leading this entire Samaritan people to Jesus. And so this time comes now where he's confronting the religious ruler with this story and ultimately says, you need to love your enemies because they're going to move next door. Like you guys are going to be living next to each other, your neighbors. Romans, Romans 5.10 says this, Since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son, while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. Man, we in this story are the beaten one, right? And Jesus is the Samaritan that comes to save us. And He came to save us by way of his life, his demonstration of love. He went to a cross for us and rose three days later, overcoming death, hell, and the grave, and gives us the opportunity to put our faith in him and have hope in him and have life. But now that we've been receiving this life and love, it's our turn to give it out, whoever our neighbor is. And as, as you have this challenge to give it out, there is that reality of this story of what if your enemy moves in next to you? So I'm going to wrap it up with these four thoughts because I think this will help. Thought number one, if you, when your enemy becomes your neighbor, instead of avoiding, we live life open. I, I was just having this conversation in the back. That reality of living life open. It's easy to avoid. It's easy to close the fence and think the backyard is invisible to everybody else in the world. It's easy to pull in the garage and shut the door before you get out of the car. It's easy to just make sure you shut the engine off first. Just always remember that. Anyway, uh, you know, but it's, it, it's easy to do these things that would close us off from the world, but we're supposed to live our life open. It's easy to go through the drive-thru even when the kids aren't in the car, but what if you get out and walk in? What opportunity may be waiting? Since we started Open Life six years ago, last Sunday was the birthday of Open Life in Bonnie Lake. Uh, six years, right? So we, uh, I don't go through drive throughs Unless the kids are asleep in the car, I get out and go in. Because so many opportunities are waiting. Who could be loved on the other side of that just inconvenience of getting out of the car and going in? It's just a personal conviction to me now. Man, how could our relationship with others and connecting with others be impacted? Hang out in the front yard instead of the backyard, right? It's simple decisions. If we live our life open, we're not avoiding getting to know our neighbor, even if they're our enemy. Thought two, instead of judging, get to know them. It's easy to judge people you don't know. 
But once you get to understand perspective and you walk a mile in their shoes, you discover that's why. Whatever in your mind made them your enemy or made you theirs, you discover a lot if you just do life together. You may see something, and God may allow you to see. How many times does he challenge us to be those that would have ears to hear and eyes to see as we read through the Bible? And we have opportunity to see things in friendship and not use people because we're trying to grow church people. That's not our desire at all. We're trying to love people and demonstrate Jesus unconditionally, no strings attached. So get to know people. It'll make a huge difference in the way you love them. You'll love them with more passion if you know their, their context, their scenario. Thought three, instead of defending Jesus, make him known. We're not called to be Jesus' defenders and stand up and make protests. Acts 1.8 says it this way, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And if you grew up in church, maybe that whole word freaks you out. Witness. Oh, man. I'm going to sign up, go knock on doors. You know, because that, that, you know, hand people these four steps, and they have to follow those four steps before you leave. And if they follow those four steps, then you got to put them in a chair, circle around them, shun die them until they just shout out in another language. You know, it's like, I don't know what your background is. And, and those are spooky stories for some of you. You're like, that. You were there? Uh, but it's like, the reality is, the challenge we're facing is, this just says witness. This isn't like stand up and evangelize and shout and know every part of the scripture and be intelligible so that you could defend the gospel. This is simply share what God's doing in your life. Be real. People don't want to hear a facade of knowledge or that you're the Bible answer person. They just want to hear What's the experience you're having with Jesus? And why should they care? Witness is simply sharing your experience. You are my witnesses. You are my witnesses. It's plural, which is intriguing to me. As he challenged the disciples, James, John, Andrew, you know, he's like, he called these fishermen that fished with nets, not you know, they didn't just use poles. His mindset when he called people was to fish with a net. He thought we would do this together. That's why we love groups. That's why it's, it's group sign-up time as we're getting ready to launch those. We have this incredible opportunity to do life with one another and be a net when we go out into the community. When we are open ourselves and we don't fish as those with a line but with a net... We impact people with the love of Jesus in a very powerful way. We don't have to defend because our story, our culture, the relationships. I love watching the relationships. You bring two campuses together and watch the natural relationships and people dialoguing and the life that's in this room. It's a blast. I love it. Some of us don't think we can do that, but the reality is you can share. And don't try to impress people when you share what Jesus is doing in your life. Share your weaknesses. If you want to impress people, try to share all your awesome stories, but people relate to weakness, not strength. So if you really want to relate to people, just tell them the reality of your life. 
I'm not perfect. Let him know. We're not perfect here. We're just experiencing Jesus' love. And final thought, instead of despising, you love. Wow, despising is a strong word, right? But the reality of this story, they despised each other. But the Samaritan loved. God despises our sin. But Jesus demonstrates in this story, he loves you anyway. And when you're at your worst, when you're beaten down, when you're kicked in the head, when you have no control in your unconscious, Jesus shows up on the scene and loves you. Nothing you can do to earn it. It's unconditional love and grace. This is God's love for us. And I want to pray for you tonight and give you an opportunity to embrace the next step, if you would. The next step is simple. Love your neighbor. No need adding on to that, right? It's pretty, pretty consuming as it is. But who's your neighbor? Who have you been sensing in your mind tonight while I'm walking through this passage? Who are you sensing is your neighbor? And you've one of those points, one of those persons, one of those thoughts, you're going, ah, that means so-and-so. Love them. Love them. And I'm going to pray God gives you the strength. And I know you came through the doors with various needs. Hopefully you've written like prayer requests on the back of your connect card that you could drop in the buckets on your way out. But we're also going to have somebody up here to pray for you to my left and your right if you want prayer when we dismiss after the video in a moment. I just want to challenge you. Love your neighbor. 